running down the path and telling a story, and everyone is listening to you. They're laughing in all the right places, and then someone has a good idea. They should make a film about that. They should make a film about that. It'd be really good. They should make a film about that. They should make a film about that. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> Start as you mean to carry on. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of. They should make a film about that. First time I've ever said it like that. <laughs> It's a bit, we're doing something a bit different. It feels super weird. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We've got. Um, we've lost Jane. We're we're a woman down, and it feels wrong. Feels. What does it feel, Anthony? It's just like a Wednesday. <laughs> we're uh, sweating ourselves into a puddle in uh, in, in, in a really quite an amazing place. The, the very wonderful Beast of Brixton, which I have talked about before, very kindly stepping into the void of Jane. That sounds really weird. Don't step into the void of Jane. <laughs> you leave her. Yeah. Uh, is my very excellent friend, Jimmy. Well, hello there. One of the owners of the Beast of Brixton uh, and has always made this place be like home. Which is why we keep coming back. You do keep coming back. Yeah, you can't get rid of us now. Neither would I want to, no. It's good to have you guys here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, and uh, Best Sunday Roast in Town, FYI, come to the Beast of Brixton. Fuck yeah, it's amazing. You guys are too kind. I say it as I see it. You know this. They dig the gravy. (laughs) Jimmy uh, was behind the bar once on a Sunday and sent me a video of himself sneakily hiding behind the bar and just drinking a gravy boat. That's how good the gravy is. It was on our socials for a bit. We took it down a little while ago. We're like, "Uh, we're three years into the business. Does this represent us as a company now? Now, 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 no. Yes, 100%. Totally cut through. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's I, this is my first time here. It's my first time meeting you, um, but I'm I'm loving it already. Is there chemistry? Just zinging, zinging. Yeah. <laughs> what what news? I'll go first. Yeah. You know, I told you this yesterday, but I'm going to tell you again. You know how people say a bird crapping on you is lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Is it lucky if a bird? Just drops out of the sky, dead. Ew. Narrowly missing your head, like causing your <laughs> hair to ruffle as it goes past. And then when it splatters into the ground, showers you with crap. Ugh. Is that luckier? What kind of bird was it? It was a pigeon. Right. This happened to be yesterday. It's like a full bulbous London pigeon. Yeah. Like that exploded just like a water balloon. Yeah. Gases just. But, <laughs> but no, no blood, <laughs> no brain matter, just. They're like, not famed for their intelligence. Well, no, there is that. But just like like somebody had squeezed it Ugh. really hard and all of the crap had just gone... And did that go on you? Uh, I didn't realise at the time. I was looking around thinking, that was a near miss. I'm yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. And then I was having a coffee with my friend and I sat down at the table and looked down at my jeans and realised they were covered in bird shit. Which must be really lucky. I mean, it's... You were making such a fuss at the time about this bird dropping dead out of the sky... But if you just leaned in and listened a bit closer, you could have heard that pigeon say, Tell Evelyn I love her. 
<laughs> or Evelyn's a bitch. <laughs> or the old, the old Sarah Silverman thing of, I want to see other people. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. That's my exciting news. I think that comes down to whether or not you're an optimist or a pessimist, because, like, how you view that. Glass half full, yeah. the bird didn't hit me in the head. Glass half full of pigeon guts. Yeah. <laughs> drink it up. Yeah. I think a new cocktail's on the menu at the beast this weekend. <laughs> it's just occurred to me that we what we've done is we've lost the person that anchors us to reality and decency. <laughs> And we've replaced it with, with me. Who's going to lead us the fuck astray? Uh, Jane, help us send us from. Pedal faster, Jane. <laughs> yeah, I, I sent her a message the other day saying, I know you won't get this for a while, but I'm just checking in and wishing you luck and keep going. You're doing really good. Mm. And about 10 minutes later, I got a message from her saying, Yeah, we don't start for a couple of days. I'm okay, in the bar. Oh, that's fine then. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, fine. All right, well, then drink. Drink, good woman. Drink. Psyching herself up for charity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what have you been up to? Uh, people can't ask me that question because it's the one thing that really makes my mind go blank, and then I just go, I don't do anything with my life. Let me rephrase that. Have you killed anybody this week? Mm, I think narrowly, not so much. I'm, it's just a burying bodies kind of fortnight. Sure. You, life you know, admin. You've got to like do them. Yeah. You've got to stagger it. Yeah. 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 How about you, Mr. Jimmy? I've probably slightly killed a few people, given that there's a provable link between alcohol and cancer now. <laughs> so that's probably... What a career to have. I've probably sent a few people down the, down, down the road. That's, down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. I've definitely done that. Time. <laughs> um, You're but yeah, a professional enabler. The, I, I am exactly that. Yeah, of gravy yeah, yeah. and... But I, start, I started as a keen hobbyist. Uh, <laughs> and I've gone pro since. Is that how you got uh, into it? How did I mean, you know... Oh, we just didn't want... We just didn't want... Well, I've always been a, uh, an incorrigible drunk. Um, but it came to a point where after years of kind of dabbling with running parties and sort of bits and bobs and events and Will who's my my erstwhile business partner uh, and I we just got really sick of working for other people mm-hmm. and we're like how can we how can we legitimize our um, imbibing and <laughs> it, it sort of it came to us now the, the legend story that we tell people over the bar is that we were on a stag do in, in Las Vegas and we got horribly addicted to frozen margaritas and then we started googling at the poolside uh, how much the machines cost and they were expensive and we thought well, maybe we should open a business in order to pay for that machine um, so that, that, that's that's the uh, that, that's the sort of the, the 22nd version that we tell 500 times a week over the Bar. Is there a margarita machine downstairs? I'm not telling you now. Should because we wait till this is done? I know it's I know it's only quarter to eleven in the morning, mm. but I could go for a frozen. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good as well. This is, this is the problem. This, this this is why my gym membership actually comes into play because the sugar content in those things is insane. <laughs> But they're ever so Moorish. Available in happy hour, five till eight. Um, <laughs> yeah, two for the price of one. That's the that's really the last one. <laughs> had a frozen margarita once before, and it was at that place on the King's Road that does like surf and turf. It's a proper American style place. Oh, you surf get and beer, turf. and you get like just shit ton of lobster mm. and, and and all that crap. And they had that machine, and I just have never disgraced myself so mm. much 
on so many levels. Really? <laughs> really? Think, well, it's a tough call, but I think so. Top five, maybe. <laughs> top five. I don't think there's any such thing as a bad surf and turf, because I think you could you could show up to like a, a Bernie Inn mm. or like a, some kind of like, I don't know, Angus Steakhouse or something and get served like the worst freezer scampi mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, a cross section of Anthony's pigeon. <laughs> it's still something that would make you quite happy when you're eating it. You've yeah, like, yeah, got yeah. all the best of both worlds. Yeah. Look at me striding like a colossus over the earth. <laughs> I got my pet dog, I force fed it a bird, yeah. <laughs> then it fell into a fire and I felt bad and then I ate it and it was delicious. It's sort of like a like a really haphazard cockatrice, a sort of bird within a <laughs> bird within a dog within a fire. And a fish just yeah. nestled in the middle, like a riddle in an enigma in a blanket. Oh my God, we should, and then some we should sort of, write children's songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like terrible terrible salata within the, uh, within the fish. No, I'm you've gone too wrong. far. <laughs> How dare you, Lids? This, this preamble's gone down the bog, hasn't it? <laughs> Anywho, yeah. it would have been, I think, Jane's turn, wouldn't it? But she As we fled. established last time, you and I have done more stories than Jane. So it should have been her turn. I think she's got two to do to catch up. We also established... Don't give a fuck. No, there is that. Whose turn it is. There is that. But I sort of when we when we were messaging a little bit about doing this with you, Jimmy, you were like, mm. what you know, what I was like, what's your flavour? What do you like? And you were like, gory. <laughs> this is thank you so much. And This is your excuse to do the gory one. Yeah. Okay. There's been quite a few gory ones that I've wanted to do. This guy that I'm gonna do is a massive, massive heavy hitter. I was I, I, I kind of knew that this is already being, I'm already breaking all my rules, but this yeah. guy is being made into a film. What? I know. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn the table over. This was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be a massive film, and I'm sort of livid because I think this is probably exactly how we would have talked it through. If, if, if we'd done this years ago, and I told you this story, I think we would have gone for this duo. But that, that's fine, because the film's not out yet, so a it's, film technically yeah, it, hasn't it, been made about there. that. Yeah. yeah. And as we know, Dante's Peak and uh, Volcano came out at the same time. Yeah. Uh, uh, Outbreak and something else came out roughly Capote. the same time. Capote we and, everything and True, True Blood, was it? <clears throat> it wasn't. It was called In Cold... In Cold Blood. No, that's the book. Yes, and that was the, but the film as well. Book. Anyway, but. my point is, the ideas just float around. Many films come out at the same time. Um, uh, Crowhurst and... Was it called The Pride? Uh, a true story about a guy doing a round-the-world yacht race uh, and he the, the guilt of him being a shit sailor got to him so he just started lying and calling in false positions whilst what? the boat was falling oh, apart. That sounds good. Oh, no, I don't know that. It, based on a true story, uh, there was a film last year, I think, with Colin Firth. Uh, and that was the big cinema one. And at the same time, there was a little film called Crowhurst, which is the true character's surname snuck out but got lost in the in the mix oh, but it's okay. I have and Crowhurst is a better film yeah. they're both fine but Crowhurst is Sailor better. was in Mossad huh? what? what you said Mossad I did not oh okay I mean it would have been the perfect cover <laughs> <laughs> I said that's sad ah okay <laughs> that says more about you than it does anything else but yes yeah, so the, 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 in 
possibly in a few years, because it's in production, it says on IMDb, but Scorsese is making this film with Leonardo DiCaprio mm. playing the chap. Oh, cool. The first time they've worked together. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if that works. Yep. And I think it'll probably be great. But that I maybe think that because I just watched rewatched Gangs of New York the other day and I was like, God, I love it when someone just really fucking goes for it. I rewatched that the other day as well. Yeah. I quite liked it still. Yeah. But I there's, remember there's, not liking it the first time and this time I was like, no, I'm in the boat with everyone else, it's good. Yeah, there's bits which I think haven't particularly aged well, but overall I think it's <laughs> jolly good. Yeah. It's yeah. got some good hats in it. It's got some amazing hats mm. and facial hair. Yes. Yeah, of yeah. all yeah. manner and sizes. Sure it's probably in the top That five, was the one as well that where the he Daniel Day Lewis was so revolted by his hair in it and the amount of grease it took to make mm. it look the way that it did that as soon as they he did his final scene he just shaved it immediately because oh. he was just everything about it creeped him out. Something when you can creep out Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, uh, and we were wondering if uh, Daniel Day-Lewis had ever got the note from a director. Yeah, that, that just wasn't quite intense enough. Can you just <laughs> dial it up? <laughs> I would like to think that that's happened. Yeah, but maybe in his early days, and he just took that fucking note. I mean, I'm not knocking him. He's a fucking astonishing actor. He oh. took that note and he tattooed it. Like, <laughs> took it side design. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I found that out, I did like try and have a look to find some of the other really gory stories that I've loved over the years, um, and sort of danced around a little bit. Um, you had a weird childhood. No, it's just a little peek inside the rotten corpse that is my brain. And I was going to do Howard Fish, uh, Albert Fish. Do you know Albert Fish? No. He, I mean, an amazing story, but really when you read his stuff and you get to like, he raped, murdered and ate over a hundred babies, you just get super bummed out and you just park that story. Over how long a period of time? Because if that's an all you can eat buffet, then that's ridiculous. It's just bad. It's bad, and I just, um, you know, when you get that, even for me, my, like, cankerous heart feels heavy listening mm. to the reading the story. You think, I don't think that's for consumption. I mean, babies are not for consumption. No. I also quite wanted, um, I've been very interested in this person, an Italian female serial killer called Leonardo Chili. Chili? E- easy chili. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say chanchili. Leonata chanchili. Did Just she make me if I'm wrong? Did she make lace? <laughs> I was reaching for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like chantilly. It's not. That's a pop reference from the 50s for you people out there. I'll tell you what she did make. She made lovely scones and lovely cakes and, and a great bar of soap, but she would invite her neighbours round for, for tea and cake. I'm and sensing soap. this isn't as nice a gesture as it's maybe <laughs> being made out to be. She'd give gifts out to the community of bars of soap and people thought she was fantastic and, and actually they were made of people. Oh. Yeah, and I have loved that story, but then when you read a little bit closer you realise just the depth of her desperate mental illness and that mm. she tried to commit suicide loads of times and she had been pregnant 17 times Fucking hell. and four remained so mm. she was just driven right to the edge and I was like wow that also really bums me out maybe I don't want to make a film about it <laughs> so the one that cartoon? I cartoon? yeah <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so Stop motion. I am telling you the story of HH Holmes. And what is great about this is that there's really no reason for him to be such a dick. He's just a dick. So we can fully hate him. We can, we can kind of, you know, roll around in his evilness. And, and it's sort of, you know, it's, it, it doesn't have that sense of like, but this person really suffered and was just fully nuts. What? I have a question. Yeah, what does the HH stand for? Asked that. Thanks. Segway. H.H. H. Holmes was actually not his name. Oh. Yeah, he, he liked it. His, what he liked about as much as murder was a scam. Sure. Okay. So he had a lot of different names, and H.H. H. Holmes uh. was Henry Howard Holmes, was just one of many names. It was like his, his preferred name. But actually, this story's got a lot of really good names. We're a big fan of a stupid name. Mm-hmm. And he was actually born Herman Webster Mudgett. Oh, of course he's H.H. H. Holmes. Exactly. Mudgett's on the uh, DLR, isn't it? <laughs> Mudshoot, sorry, Mudshoot. Yeah, so he just he needed a quick rebrand when he decided to get into serial killing. And he was born 1861. Good year. Um, for, and his dad was called Levi Horton Mudgett. Great name. And his mother was called Theodate Page Price. Wow. Theodate. Okay, so they were both uh, descendants of English immigrants, because, of course, bad stock coming from Mm. from England. We're based in America, I guess. We are. This is essentially based... He was born in uh, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just... Because I've got a quote for you later on, so if you could just develop the accent while we're talking. Um, But most of his killing spree happened in Chicago, if you wanted to just... Sprinkle a bit of Chicago into... Uh, sure, because I know what the differences are. Yeah, yeah. So his parents were Methodists. I'm going to... This is a fucking doozy, so I'm going to just... Mm, Plough through. Yeah, go, go. Let's get it done. as quickly as I can. Let's get it done. Parents were Methodists. There is chat that he got beaten a lot, but I guess that's not actually uncommon for the for 1800s. No. He said that he did consider himself a bit of a mummy's boy, but that's always a red flag. Yeah. Mm. And but he did also talk about he 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 fantasized about them dying an awful lot. Like the, the the great Chicago fire had happened and he when he was a kid and he imagined his parents just burning into ash in the great Chicago fire even though they were um not in Chicago when he was a kid he just was sort of obsessed with it. Ashes to ashes mum to daddy. <laughs> Quite, but he was like, right. I'll we sh- know when I grow up, I'll be a baddie. Yeah. Come on. That's a picture of him as a slightly younger man. Good tash. Yeah, oh, he he always had that great tash. Jimmy, describe the picture oh, for us. For the listener, he's got an incredible brand of bow tie going on there, which, <laughs> which looks like it's gone through uh, some sort of time portal from 1960s sex club wallpaper. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's got the cold dead eyes of a shark. Yeah, he, uh, he fucking does. We'll put, as always, we'll put this on. Yeah, get on, this guy on, on Twitter. Twitter. He's got some amazing sort of curly lacquered hair, mm. and uh, yeah, those... and a look of casual disdain on his face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he doesn't care who lives or dies. No. Absolutely, <laughs> as we'll find out. Yeah. He was very bright. He did well in school. He was bullied mm. because he was. Brian. It's the bow tie, and he deserved that. <laughs> Don't wear a bow tie to school. 
do what you fucking want. And uh, so he was scared of doctors, but then I think a lot of people were in the 1800s because mm-hmm. it was just to have a bit of a poke and a prod and see what happens when you go to the doctor. And lop off your leg with a bone saw. In doctor's offices and like pharmacists and stuff, they'd have these animated skeletons and he was terrified of that. And then one day the bullies from school like pushed him in and forced him to stare at the thing and like they, they kind of pried his eyes open to stare at the skeleton. And he describes it because a lot of what we know about H.H. H. Holmes, he wrote his own shit when he was later on in life. Serial killers never lie though, so this is yeah. reliable mm. fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling one side of the story. There's a <laughs> lot of people that talk about the other side of the story, but... His philanthropy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so when he opened his eyes and looked at the skeleton, his fear was cured. And he talks about this moment of like suddenly loving and being obsessed with the human body and wanting to go into medicine. So he went to med school. There was some animal mutilation, which is always a good sign. Part that that takes us right back to the first episode when we talked about the something trial. The what is it? The. Never mind. The three things to look for in that often turn into serial killers later on, which is head trauma, animal mutilation, wetting the bed. Ah, okay. Bow ties. <laughs> Bow ties. Two out of three, so I think I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he Does it count if you're wetting somebody else's bed? Just walking in someone's room and just pissing on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm not a psychopath. <laughs> It's got poor bladder control. (laughs) And no sense of direction. It's just always good if you come across your child, your young child, and they have like a little treasure box, and inside that treasure box is like skulls and poor cat paws and uh, pictures of young ladies. And he had this like little thing, and it was like, here's my 13 year old sweetheart and uh, half a dissected cat. Oh, yes. Stuff made out of other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Good. Circle of life. Yeah. He had like he had one childhood friend called called Tom when he was a kid. What was Tom made out of? (laughs) (laughs) Several other small childhood (laughs) friends. Uh, And Tom sadly died, fell uh, to his death while they were playing. And later, when Mudget was little Mudget, baby baby Mudget was asked, are you sad about your friend dying? Mini Mudget. Mini Mudget. <laughs> his answer was, I'd rather be alone. Oh. So, you know. <laughs> Whoa. In his defense, that could be in relation to the question. Like, I don't want to answer that. I'd rather yeah, be alone. Yeah, yeah. I like that He's just been misinterpreted yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. way through. Literally playing devil's advocate here. <laughs> I, I'm taking the role of Jane for the, today's podcast. <laughs> Jane would, would already have stormed out in just, the, just being so angry at him. But at 16, he graduates. So he's bright. He graduates at 16. He starts doing some teaching in the area. At 18, he marries a girl called Clara Lovering. This is Clara Lovering. Sorry, my prince. Oh, I thought that was him without the moustache. <laughs> I need to get this one back up on Twitter. Cause... She's got a, a nice open face. What's, what I always love is when you look at these old-timey stories and they talk about certain people being very beautiful or, or not being very beautiful. And I, could, I can never fucking tell. I never mm. know what is good looking. For example, later, spoiler alert, later on in the story, there is somebody called the Handsome Bandit. And I looked at pictures and I was like, um, I mean... I give him a solid seven in modern times. But you think he might have printed some of his own wanted posters? (laughs) Yeah. He was legitimately, people saw this guy and fell for him hard. 
Standards were different back then, though. They, they sure were. Yeah. Like an outlaw Valentino. Yeah. Um, I know you pronounced it Lovering, but looking at it written down, her, son, her surname is Lovering. Love. Which makes it sound like a sex toy. <laughs> Lovering. Love we can do it whichever way we wish. No, no, no. You pronounce it how you want. I was just because of the way it looked when written down. Clara Lovering. Imagine the sex toys that her husband brought into play there because they're probably formed from kittens. Ooh. That is furry. Yeah. Cat gut toys. <laughs> Let's pattern that immediately. (laughs) So that marriage started and immediately was not great. He went off to to med school, leaving her um, to sort of do her thing. But when they did see her, he just beat her senseless. He loved to beat his wife. Um, And he did graduate medical school, which interestingly enough is very rare for serial killers. A lot of a lot of murderers are, you can get very clever murderers, mm. but they often have too much arrogance to yeah. really see through mm-hmm. um, a degree, but he did. Yes, yeah, so Clara fucks right off um, being being senseless and then abandoned. Um, and that's great. We're delighted because it means that she gets to live. Good work, Clara. Um, I, made it. I sense that every other person you name, because you've just said that, is not going to make it. Let's face it. If you if you meet H. H. Holmes, it's unlikely you're gonna you know, lead a long life. Yeah. He'll be the last person you ever need to meet. Yeah. So at med school he starts to do a thing which he goes on to do an awful lot, which is scams. He loves to scam people. He's always got a plan, a plot up his sleeve. And he has this Canadian friend, there's no name, all I could find was that he was Canadian, at med school, who who worked with him and they, they came up with one of his very favorite plots, which is the insurance scam. You take out life insurance, you then get a corpse um, because they're at med school, so they have mm-hmm. access. He's not already killing people, maybe he was, who knows. Um, and you burn up the corpse and beat the face in and then the Canadian friend goes this is uh, Mudget Uh, I took out insurance on him pay up and then they go into hiding for a little bit and then Mm. they just change their name and come back so they did that with one another and another one that he liked to do in fact his very first big scam was Mudget went to Chicago and was like selling books door to door so he'd you know, knock, knock, knock. Look, isn't this book really cool? Do you want one? If you pay for the books now, when I get home, I'll send them to you. Uh, Promise. That old chestnut. And because he's very charming, he's super charming. People just believed him. Everyone that ever met him felt that they were best friends immediately. He just had that quality about him. Nobody who wears a bow tie ever lies. We know this. Sure, sure. So, he graduates. He gets a job in a pharmacy in Philadelphia where he accidentally kills a woman. Accidentally. Just by being a shitty pharmacist, being like, let's pour these together, take this, she's dead. Whoopsie, I'm going to run away from Philadelphia. Like mixing a cocktail with cyanide and... I mean, that is being... That was never proven. <laughs> that is kind of what pharmacy is in those days. It's like, I don't know if this works, but try it. It's... Um... It's a Wonderful Life. The guy who owns the drugstore 
uh, and he's upset because he's just got the telegram about his son and he's trying to get the package of drugs together and he gives it to the little kid and the little kid says I don't think I should take these and supposed to deliver it and then he doesn't and then there's a phone call saying Why, where's my drugs why didn't the kid deliver it and then the old guy smacks him around the ear and he's this bad ear and then he says but you put the wrong things in the package and the guy looks and oh, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry it's like that I had totally forgotten about that but what a wonderful retelling yeah I couldn't remember any of the character names which is why I just skirted <laughs> around the issue you did it beautifully thanks I love that film so from Fleeing from Philly he goes to Chicago where he sold the books and he's like that was a great town I loved it there um, and he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes just really quickly I'm really trying not to ramble but really quickly about Chicago because it is kind of interesting the book that they're making that Scorsese is making a film about it, it's actually on the book which is called Devil in the White City which is very much about H.H. Um, H. Holmes and about Chicago because Chicago was super interesting at the time it had burnt down it was rebuilding it was exploding uh, there were loads of jobs the population was just going like crazy and then it got the World's Fair which was such a huge deal yeah. it was unbelievable and it went to this like um, kind of underdog of a city um, uh, so great progress population boom especially for young women like this was the the dawn of women having adventures before they got married and not just like being born getting married popping kids out and then dying it was like uh, they could get on a train there'd be jobs for them they could have this kind of cool life before they settled down and got married and it wasn't a cool city though I mean it wasn't like this sort of swish metropolitan place it was fucking disgusting it was trash in the streets it was enormous amounts of human fatalities because there just there wasn't infrastructure in place to look after as many people as there were there mm -hmm. there was like dead animals in the streets just piling up um like the pigeon that fell out of the sky yeah, like modern day London yeah, yeah. <laughs> modern day. the police force had not even slightly grown with the population boom so there were in 1892 there were Oh. 1,600 murders in Chicago. Wow. That's a lot. And four policemen. And four policemen just going, <laughs> Did you do it? No. God, it's going to take forever. <laughs> so it was basically super ripe from an ambitious young psycho to mm. go, mm, let me do something great here. <laughs> so... Yeah, despite it being really gross, the Columbian Exposition or the World's Fair came in 1893 and people were just flooding in. I mean, I, there were so many people between March and October when the fair was, there were just millions of people coming through Chicago, which must have if you're just really keen on killing people. Oh, all these be people, exciting times. So five years before the World Fair, Holmes arrives. He's now H.H. Holmes. And he goes into the suburb of Inglewood. And um, I'm going to say this one really quickly because this is it's sort of the scam side of things rather than the murder side of things. But he starts working in a pharmacy. Opposite the pharmacy is this amazing, massive, empty lot. So he has got, he's got plans. But he starts working in this little pharmacy. And as he kind of goes in, there's this old lady and her husband, she's not really coping in the pharmacy because her husband, they used to run it together and he's dying of cancer upstairs. And Holmes is like, I see an opportunity. Let me help your husband. Husband dies. Mm. Then the wife is like, I can't do this on my own. And he's like, let me buy it off you. And she's like, cool. And he's like, I'll do it on a payment plan. So just give it to me 
find yourself a new life, it'll be fine, I'll, I'll give you the payment every month, and he just never pays her. Mm. She tries to take him to court, and then she's never heard of him again. He then marries again. He's not actually divorced, mm. but he does marry He's again. He's just very romantic. He, oh my God, there's so much romance in the story, you wait, it's gonna be really great. That's big of him. <laughs> His, uh, the, the next great name- Bigamy joke the, there. <laughs> the next great name to come into this, Murta Z. Belknap. Ooh, fuck. How, oh. what? How is that? What do we got here? Oh yeah, B-E-L-K-N-A-P. Belknap. And, and Murta. M-Y-R-T-A is a first name. That's Chicago astonishing. Belknaps. Yeah. <laughs> sure. We don't really know how they met, or I don't really know how they met, but it was like, she, she was in Illinois and he was writing her letters, love letters, and um, she fell for it hook, line, and sinker and came to Chicago and they were like running the pharmacy together, which was kind of okay very briefly, but it sort of ruined his... He was such a ladies' man that he was like, you're really ruining my flirting skills with the customers so can you like buck off upstairs for a bit? And then she got really bored with that. So she actually got pregnant and he was shipped her off to go and live with the parents again. So that is then the second lady to narrowly escape his oh. murderous. I think probably because he actually kind of wanted that baby. I don't know. We don't know. We don't, I'm, I'm, that is pure speculation. Yeah. Um, anyway, 1888, and he buys that vacant lot across the way, which is a whole like block. Okay. It's huge. And but he buys it under the name H.S. Campbell, and this was to become his true calling. This was the murder castle. Murder castle. Yeah, this is what he's famous for. H.H. Holmes and his murder castle, and this lot is his murder castle. Worst wow. kids entertainer ever. <laughs> so, um, just quickly, he did sell the pharmacy, but it was another Se second scam. Second worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, selling the pharmacy was, an, was another scam. See, he was like, he sold, he showed this guy around and he hired a bunch of people to be in the pharmacy like look how it's a booming business and he he one of his favorite scams was like hiring furniture or payment plan furniture and then and then either selling it on or just never paying for it so he got a whole load of really cool fittings and fixtures and made the place look really fucking cool hired a bunch of people to like walk around it going hmm this is an amazing pharmacy <laughs> and so i should buy all of my drugs here <laughs> yeah, exactly um and um when the dude was like, yeah, I'll buy this and paid like twice as much as he should have done, goes away to get his family to move into the pharmacy. When he comes, the pharmacy is utterly stripped of every single socket. Whoa. And next door in the huge empty lot, the first thing to open on the ground floor is a pharmacy right opposite, which is bigger and better and has all the fittings in it that this guy what was, was going to be. What a He's so fucking devious. I love him so much. I don't love him. He's the worst. You love him. So, I've got a kind of vague floor plan things, but I'll, I'll, I'll show you a better version of that because my printer is a piece of shit. So, Holmes starts to build the murder castle. No one is allowed to see his blueprints. He's the only one who has the grand plan oh, in his head. Like Ceausescu with Ceausescu's palace in Romania. Oh, yes. I seem to remember you telling me about this when you were in Romania filming yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, the story I heard was that because uh, uh, Ceausescu's palace is the second largest building behind the Pentagon. Okay. Uh, it's got something like 2,000 rooms or mm. something insane. Um, and uh, uh, me and my friend Cal went on a, a guided tour of the building and we both found it monstrous and hideous and a, a testament to one person's ego. Um, so we kicked our, sh- we waited to the tour to go into the next room and we kicked our shoes off and slid around a ballroom. Because yeah. <laughs> um, that was the only way we could think of sort of showing our disdain. But the story that we heard was that there was something like 12 architects. I can't remember the exact number, but you know, a large number of architects who were each in charge of different bits. And there was one head architect and Ceausescu, and they were the only people who knew the entire floor plan blueprint. And then something happened to said head architect. So Ceausescu was the only person who knew all of the secret staircases and the underground river. And I'm making shit up. I don't know if there is one, but you know, all the extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All the Easter eggs. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Really, really similar. So he would have this sort of, he'd have a lot of people coming in. I mean, obviously there was, the city held a lot of people who needed that kind of casual work. So he'd get an awful lot of people in to, he'd kind of go, can you just build a wall here? You don't need to know why, mm. just build a wall here. And can you like build a chute here? <laughs> you don't need to know what it does, just build. And then he wouldn't pay them he'd sack them saying that their work was terrible. So he essentially got the entire place done practically for nothing mm. because he never paid anybody. It was said to be pretty shoddily done because no one knew what was meant to be connecting to what. Yeah. But what you've got is, this is when I start to get a bit confused because in America they call the first floor the ground floor and mm. the second It's because they don't have the 13th floor in any high-rise building. But we don't bad either, luck. do we? Yeah. Oh, we do? Yeah. It depends who's financing the building, because if it if the financiers are from a country where that is considered to be a very unlucky number, then we won't have it, because it comes down to what the owners want. True, 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 true. So it depends who owns your hotel. Yeah. Or office block. Or- yeah, or who the desired clientele is for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Let me tell you a little bit about the murder castle. Please do. <laughs> You never looked happier. <laughs> um, so, you've got the ground floor, which essentially had a lot of like offices and, and shops and stuff around the edge. Really nice pharmacy, apparently. Really great pharmacy. Yeah. Super shiny pharmacy. Then the first floor, or the second floor if you're an American, which is badness. Third floor is where he lives, and there were some like long-term uh, people that stayed on the third floor, which was lovely. All the bad shit happened in the middle, mm. um, including all the corridors were like a kind of labyrinth. You could really easily get lost, and corridors that led to nowhere. You could open a door or walk up a set of stairs, and there'd be nothing at the end of it. Secret hatches that came off to greased shoots that <laughs> went down to the basement I felt um, a quiver <laughs> I've read that <laughs> phrase so many times and it's made me quite mad <laughs> Lids arrived at my flat yesterday just saying grease shoots I've heard the phrase grease shoots too much today <laughs> there's no frame of context to that I don't know what you're talking about greased shoots stop saying it greased shoots <laughs> little kind of tunnels that went to furnaces 
vats he bought going I'm going to do like glass bending and they were like cool this furnace is not big enough to bend large sheets of glass like glass benders do this is more like a kind of um, coffin size yeah thing. Uh, there were sort of there were operating rooms in the basement and on the second floor mm. and there was oh one of my favourites so he buys a vault from a from a bank a special huge walk-in vault mm. and he says payment plan yeah, yeah guys yeah. payment plan <laughs> um, takes it puts it in that in the building and builds walls around it mm. And then when the bank's like, sorry, you have not paid for this vault, we're gonna repossess it. He's like, sure, take it if you can. But if you damage my building in any way, I'll sue the shit out of you. <laughs> and the bank was like, I uh, can't, they weighed it up and they were like- Damn your the murder castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've thought of we everything. for the old murder castle, Ruzian boys. <laughs> uh, we lose more vaults that way, honestly. <laughs> every room in the hotel had pipes that's I think that's traditional. I think that's fine. Most rooms have pipes in some way, shape, or form. Pipes that fed gas just into the air. Oh, no, that's different. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of rare. I've only heard of that a few times. They all had keyholes <laughs> as well, so that, and, and corridors obviously in the walls and, and secret doorways so he could watch as people were just gassed to death while they slept in his... Grease shoots come back to me again. Grease shoots that went straight down into lime pits to just dissolve bodies really quickly. Some rooms that were made perfectly airtight, Mm. including the safe, including the vault, but other rooms that were just specially made so as soon as the door was shut, there was no way of getting any air in so he could, again, just watch them suffocate. Uh, Soundproof rooms, rooms that were made specifically to be claustrophobically tiny so that people would just freak out the moment that they went in. Um, Mum... And he had a lot of chemicals that he'd get his hands on, obviously, because he's a pharmacist. So he thought it through really well, essentially, is what we're getting <laughs> Yeah, at. he was yeah. dedicated to this. Oh, yeah, he, man. He, he went with this. This was, his, this was his true baby. Let's just be grateful that he wasn't a town planner. Yeah. Because if that's one building, imagine that extrapolated across a city. Yes, yeah. That would be fucked yeah, up. You'd end up with Milton Keynes. Oh my god. That yeah. is exactly what you would With want. lime pits under every roundabout. Milton Keynes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greased A roads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he could kill anyone that he wanted in the hotel. He could easily then take the body through his little secret tunnels, mm. through his grease shoes into the basement where he could then just meddle with the bodies. I mean, one of many things could happen to the bodies. You could get furnished. That's that apostrophe D. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tupac's last film. (laughs) Uh, You could could be put in a vat of acid. He he had a vat of acid. Do you get to choose? (laughs) Or are these... these the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a weird questionnaire you had to fill out when you you, you signed in. Checking it out. Pick a death card, any card. Don't think about it too much. Just yeah, write yeah. it down real quick. Yeah. Would you like a paper in the morning? And how would you like to go? <laughs> he he liked to dissect people a lot, so that could have been a way that you've gone, or um, the nine pits, or the acid bath, or the furnace. Or the airtight rooms, or... 
Oh, but airtight runs already happen. It's after death. What's going to happen to your? Oh, uh, right. Sure. Disposal methods. Sure. One of his. One of the things that he did quite a lot. Um, someone, uh, a guy called Charles Chapel, started working for him as a carpenter, just a casual worker, and he, you know, on a little chat to this guy, discovered this guy knew how to animate corpses. He knew how to um, take skeletons and like turn them into the things that. Always put a top hat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Holmes was like, "Oh, we're gonna be friends. Come with me." Takes him to the second floor, opens up a door, and there's a half dissected, like pulled apart corpse. And Chapel's like, "Sure, this is totally normal." Do you want to be mates? Oh, need, need, swaps, swaps. So Chapel turns that corpse into a skeleton and they sell it. And this is then something that, that Holmes loves to do. He, he, it's just another way of making money is giving these, selling these skeletons to medical schools. So he wasn't a mass murderer. He was an entrepreneur. Yeah. As, uh, that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just sort of artisan recycling. Yeah. yeah. Upcycling. Upcycling, yeah. He could get $200 for a, for a skeleton, which in today's money is, is well over $5,000. Okay. I mean, I'm suddenly looking at both of you thinking, mm. Do it. you're sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. Literally sitting on a gold mine. And we're in my murder castle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, blah, blah, blah. He, he bought a lot of chloroform. <laughs> One of his very favorite ways to kill people is with chloroform, just too mm. much. Because he got a sexual thing. I mean, let's not go too much into masturbating over people die. But what he, that was I didn't his, know we'd started. <laughs> <laughs> he, one of his favorite ways of killing people was too much chloroform because. If you die from chloroform, your body goes into spasm, and that was the thing that he wanted. Oh, and he liked that bit. Yeah. Go on, flop There's a lot of proximity me. involved with the chloroform death as well. Yeah. So it's just like a really horrid cuddle. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that's, that's the title of the film. It's like, oh, a really horrid cuddle. <laughs> What's that sticking in my ass? That's the least of your worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to introduce a new character. His name is Benjamin Peitzel. Again, strong name. He's a, he's, he, now this I would call a more handsome fellow. Yeah. Peitzel was a terrible alcoholic. And terrible as in he wasn't good or terrible as in he was very good? Uh, he was an accomplished drunkard. Oh, in the like sense that, that he could drink a lot and <laughs> he was, um, you know, it, it, he just got really messed up. He wasn't one of those drunks that could drink 10 bottles of whiskey and still do a job. Mm. Uh, he, he just struggled. So a stinking alcoholic and he had seven kids, so he would do anything for money. He just mm. needed to bring that dollar in. He's um, the guy that you want around when you've got a murder castle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he essentially became Holmes's like henchman. Yes! He was the he was the lackey that did all the grunt work and then just had nightmares mm. about it, and mm. therefore had to keep drinking. Neighbours to the murder castle would note that young pretty women that worked for him disappeared a lot. That's mm. not going to surprise anyone to hear that. Parents would like ask like my daughter started working for you and I haven't heard from her in ages and he'd be like what? nope. Detectives uh, would turn up and talk to him, but again, he was so fucking charming yeah. that he could have these conversations with people and they'd go away going, that guy is just 
fucking dope. He's the best, he's they said, as they walked past the street sign that says, To the Murder Castle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the, the stench of death didn't really seem to that bring it That poor, charming man covered in blood. Yeah. I cannot believe people would accuse him of things. You can't catch a break, that poor guy. Yeah. But I've got this lovely skeleton that he sold me. <laughs> oh, and he was great at, like, um, he'd, he'd invite all these dudes around and be like, I've got this great new thing that I've invented. Come it's called murder. Come down to my basement. Then we'll go down to the basement and he'd be like, I've got a machine that turns water into gas. And it was, of course, just a fake machine that was like, tap water goes in and then there was a pipe that you couldn't quite, that was like hidden and gas would come out of it. And they'd go, ooh, because he's so good at pitching. And uh, they'd give him loads of money. God, that guy loved a scam. He also performed an awful lot of abortions, illegal abortions at the time. Recreationally or? Like, he loved to fiddle around in people's bodies and one, if if a woman comes to you going, please, I'm desperate, please fiddle around in my body and sort out the issue that I've got, he'd be like, come into my murder castle. Mm. So hundreds would come to him for abortions and few survived them. I mean, few did survive them, which Mm. is amazing in itself. He also had something in his murder castle which he called the Elasticity Determinator. <laughs> Didn't they have that in medieval times? Yeah, and there was just did. a rack and they would just stretch you. You've, you've, you've nailed it. Yay! <laughs> what do I win? <laughs> Nightmares. Yeah. yeah. He said that he wanted to create a race of giants <laughs> by stretching them out. But it was just a rack. He just did anything that he wanted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, These were great times. What are you going to do you today, HHH? <laughs> I'm going to make a race of giants in my murder castle. Are you going to do that through science and evolution? No. Nope. Oh, stretch them. I'm going to stretch your daughter. I do not get genetics. I'm just going <laughs> to give it a fucking try. Okay, so next wife. <laughs> oh, gosh. And next set great names. So there's a gentleman who takes over the running of the, the swanky pharmacy that he had mm. created downstairs. And his name was Isilius Connor. Brilliant. Oh. But people didn't know him as Isilius. They knew him as Ned. Ned, right. No one could cope okay. with Isilius. <laughs> and he had a great wife who I feel very immediately um, warm to. Her name is Julia. And I love her because she's six foot tall. And she was known to be just fierce as hell. And Holmes really fell for her. They started having an affair. And, you know, Asilius did not like that, so that, you know, there was a divorce. A year later, Holmes is sort of bored with her already, but it's not great timing because she's like, I'm pregnant. But she's like, please, you've got to marry me now because, you know, you you caused the divorce and now I'm pregnant, let's get married. And he's like, ah, tell you what. She had a kid named Pearl from the previous, from Asilius. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll marry you and look after Pearl and we can be a family if you'll allow me to give you an abortion for the current pregnancy. And she's like, deal. So on Christmas Eve, he takes her into the basement and puts her under for the abortion and kills her and kills Pearl. Oh, God. Yeah, so no surprises, dead. Merry Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. And all through the house, not a creature was stirring. Not even my future ex-wife. So just to connect a couple of dots, when he, when Holmes took Chapel to the second floor and was like, look at this half-dissected corpse, 
and Chapel was like, let me turn it into a skeleton. Someone bought that skeleton and it sat in the, what's the name? A private surgeon named Pauling. And he would say uh, to people who admired his skeleton hanging in his room, this woman would have been a strapping young lady. She would have been six foot tall. Uh, yeah. uh, so that was the wife. Uh, what a dick. He, he got he, shit done though. He did. I mean, he, he was really a, got shit done. He, he was a doer. Yeah. His to do list. I yeah, bet yeah, yeah. He made yeah. good lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that he was an achiever, but he was definitely a doer. <laughs> so, next romantic murder. <laughs> Holmes sent Peitzel to rehab. Mm. And now, which sounds really kind, like, oh, you've got a problem, let me help you out with that. But actually, what he wanted, somebody had said, like, we've made this special concoction which cures alcoholism. And he was like, Peitzel, get on it. Get out there. I mean, clean up if you want, but steal that recipe. Yeah. You'll make a millions. So Paisal goes to rehab, and when he returns, he says, listen, I've met the most beautiful woman in the world. You're going to love her. Her name is... You're going to em- love the very bones of her. <laughs> You're going to love her right to her core. <laughs> uh, her name's Emmeline Chagrand. He starts a correspondence with her, offers her a job, come be my personal secretary. Mm-hmm. Sexy Terry. Sexy Terry. Yeah. And I'll give you twice the salary that you're earning in this rehab centre. Mm. She's like, amazing. And all the free abortions you want. Yes. With they... our new loyalty card. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she turns up. He proposes. He says, now, listen, let's do this right. Here's a pile of stationery. I want you to fill out a bunch of letters. Don't seal them up. But like, put the addresses on the envelopes and write them a letter saying, I'm getting married, I'm so happy, everything's great. Just don't steal them up. You'll never see me again. <laughs> uh, all the important people in your life. He said, but, but don't say, don't actually say Henry Howard Holmes. Say this slightly <laughs> different name. I'll tell you why another time. It's something to do with having like... Howard a, Henry Holmes. <laughs> It's something to do with having this like aristocratic English ancestor, and it's like a. I've got a. If I want the inheritance, I've got to have a slightly different name. It's a whole tax issue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Someone wrote me an email from Nigeria. But this is a good thing. It's a great <laughs> thing. This is a great thing for you We're a team. and for me. This is a, another shit picture, but it's an over the shoulder oh, look from. That is a, that is a saucy side eye glance. Uh, he then killed her. Of course. I'm and sensing then got, a pattern. <laughs> he got those documents, took the letters out, rewrote them, because of course he's got all the addresses, oh. and essentially wrote letters to the whole family going, guys, I'm getting married to someone totally else, and I'm going to go and like, travel and do the honeymoon thing, and sent them all out. So nobody ever asked for her. No one ever really knew that that was mm. happening. Smarty pants. Little tidbit about her death. You wanted gore. Mm-hmm. When he had those documents, he was like, all those letters that she'd written. He was like, put them in the safe, in the vault. In you walk, and he shut the door and watched through like a peephole. Now, I don't think he watched like that. (laughs) I think he watched like that. I mean, just furiously. It's a one handed watch. (laughs) Uh, You know, listening through the door to her screaming while he's furiously masturbating is the truth of it. I should stop guessing these things. That would be (laughs) such a good scene. Bit of Hans Zimmer music. <laughs> great. Yeah. The strings swell. Yeah. The what swells? Let's not say swell. <laughs> and when they found the the vault later on, they found 
a footprint etched in the door. And I bet you're thinking, how did she manage to kick her footprint mm. into a vaulted door? Because he had laced the bottom of the vault with acid. Oh. So while she's suffocating to death in this vault, also her shoes are being dissolved off oh, and her feet are beginning to sizzle. And she's trying desperately to kick the door down and it is creating, a f- I mean, it's just fucking worse, oh, isn't it? God. It's the absolute it's awful. terrible, terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Can I go home? <laughs> Sit down and listen to the rest. I cannot have this oh, in my head alone. I one-handed if you must. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's get back to the great World's Fair that's happening. It's just such an amazingly big deal that America got the World's Fair. It was such a... So, you know, like, the Eiffel Tower was... Maybe the one before the one before that was, like, the big reveal when, when Paris got it. 27 million people came through, breezed through Chicago over those months. I mean, that's just, that's fucking tons. That's a lot of people. So um, it puts anywhere on the map that gets it, if it wasn't on the map already. Sorry, say it, that again? It puts it everywhere on the map yes. that gets it. Yes. So Completely. huge numbers of people. And actually, it wasn't a great world's fair in comparison to some of them. I mean, when you oh. think like the unveiling of the Eiffel Tower, and it's like, mm. what did Chicago do? Well, monorail. Taffy, I don't know something. They, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd love to be able to read and read um, *Devil in the White City*, but I didn't get to be able to read the whole book. So, apparently, as people are breezing through, and he's like, "I've got a hotel. Come, everybody, and stay at my hotel." He was very generous to women, and like, has always got a room, an extra spare room for a woman. And dudes, it's like, "Oh, we're full. Actually, uh, we're full of, full dead, of women. women. <laughs> dead women." <laughs> And he was super forgiving. You know, people who worked there were like, you know, what's interesting is HH seems to be so forgiving of all these young, beautiful women who who come and stay the night and then just leave without paying the bill. They just disappear. Don't even pack their bags and take their things with them. They just go and they don't pay the bill. And he's like, fine with that. I don't know why that is. Um, Was one of the shops on the ground floor or first floor, if you're one of our American friends, uh, was one of the shops like an, an amazing jumble sale kind of cl- second-hand clothes shop? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just ladies' hats. Yeah, and handbags and death ropes. Boots with no yeah. bottoms because yeah. they've been acid and oh. Yeah, acid fresh. Acid, acid wash shoes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so his debtors, he's got a lot of debtors because he's constantly running these scams. He's constantly hiring furniture and just selling it immediately. And never paying for anything. Never paying for anything. He he did pay the guy that he bought the chloroform from. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you've got to keep him on side, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. This is going to be a long-term relationship. Not, not worth crossing that guy. You don't scam your drug dealer, do you, ever? No. No, why? No. Do, do you? My chloroform guy is lovely. And there is this anecdote where the, the, the guy that sells on the chloroform is like, what are you... You need lots of this. What are you doing? And H.H. Holmes says, I'm running some experiments. I'm a doctor and I'm running some experiments. And the guy goes, Good enough. Okay. okay. Seems legit. And the next time the guy, H.H., comes in for chloroform, i.e., the next day, <laughs> the guy says, How are those experiments going? And H.H. just goes, I'm not running any experiments. What are you talking about? <laughs> so he can't even keep up with his own shit. 
<laughs> Next, romantic murder. Minnie Williams, heiress to a fortune. She has already inherited 3.5 million in today's money, but more important to AH, HH, was more interested in her plot of land in Fort Worth, Texas. Murder Castle. To the franchise, the sequel. <laughs> uh, so he's like, Minnie, come be work for me. And Minnie's like, Sure, here's my sister, Nanny, who was very much always in the fucking way and being sensitive right. about things. He wined and dined both of them, was like, Let's just do amazing things at the World Fair, let's drink wine and have fun and eat taffy and um, kill. No, I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> and then just one by one led them into the vault. Um, neither of them knew what had happened to the other one, but he was like, get in that fucking bowl. So he killed Minnie and Nanny? Yeah, both. Minnie Nanny. Minnie Nanny. Nanny Minnie. Nanny and Minnie. And he t- he, he actually stuck Peitzel. Remember Peitzel, his, uh, yep. his henchman? Yeah, Peitzel. He goes to Peitzel's wife and is like, here's a bunch of ladies' clothes. <laughs> Do you want them? And she's like, sure, we've got no money. It'd be great to have some more clothes. These smell funny. <laughs> yeah. Do these smell like chloroform to you? But Holmes has that sweet-ass Texas deed. Um, then he met... Romantic thing. Up. Again. <laughs> Words. Can... Romantic thing up again. <laughs> Run out of caffeine. What, what code is that? Why do you not know what I'm talking about? Is that sexy? <laughs> sexy death code. Romantic thing up again? Question mark. Hashtag living the best mm. you. Eyebrow emoji. <laughs> aubergine, aubergine. So Minnie's gone. He needs a new lady friend. And she comes in the shape of Georgina Yoke. Uh, Chris Chris Morris is writing these names. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible he actually liked Georgina Yoke. I mean, I don't know. And at this point, who fucking cares? It doesn't make any difference as to whether he kills them or not. So um, They're just fodder by now. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Um, Also, I just don't care whether he loves somebody or not. I don't care about his feelings anymore. He he doesn't seem to care about human. He doesn't deserve feelings. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what scam I miss? I'm I'm hearkening back to the good old days. And I remember those scams I used to do with that Canadian friend of mine where we'd take a corpse. I miss the good old days of insurance fraud. drunk friend Peitzel and let's do that insurance scam again so they take out insurance on one another and then you've got to wait you can't do it immediately so whilst that insurance is brewing Mm. they go off to to Texas to kind of hey let's have a look at our land and work out what cool shit we can do here Um, and they get up to all sorts in Texas all sorts of other scams together. This is like the bromance part of the... the (laughs) This is is the middle of the film where it becomes like um, uh, uh, Bush Cassidy and Sundance Kid when they're off on the lamb in Mexico running away from people. It's a bit more soft focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But one of the scams they do is actually horse thievery, which is fucking stupid because horse thievery was a really, really big deal and you could be Mm. hanged for it. And they do, in fact, one of the... Wait... I'm rereading what I wrote. 
You can't read. Mm-hmm. They had to make a run for it because they, you know, they're doing scans and they haven't got a fucking clue what they. He should have stuck to the scans that he he knows. But he gets arrested in St. Louis, um, actually for a completely other scam. I, I can't keep I can't keep up with his fucking scams. But it was one of those like I'm gonna I'm gonna hire a bunch of shit, and then he obviously needed money really quickly, and he was like, let me just get a bunch of furniture, sell it on, it'll give us some cash, we can keep running. But bit he gets caught traveling around money, a little bit of pocket money. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. But they they arrest him for that in St. Louis. And he goes to, he's in jail. I think this might have been where he met the old handsome bandit because they were cellmates. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Holmes looked at the handsome bandit whose name was not written down, so it does not exist. He Bert Reynolds. Oh, I was thinking Bert. Yeah. We're not there yet though. No. no. He so looked up to the handsome bandit that he just sort of spilled the beans to this guy who went in a in the room. He was like, and you know what else? We're gonna do an insurance scam. Uh, me and my drunk friend Peitzel, and it's gonna be cool. Do you and essentially the handsome bandit um sort of gets in on the action. Um Holmes is like, I'll pay five hundred dollars if you give me the name of a dodgy lawyer so that we can do, you know, sort out some of this stuff. He's got a dodgy lawyer to help him now. And if you're ever in Chicago, I got a wonderful place you can stay at. I promise you won't have one of those rooms. <laughs> yeah. Gets out on bail. Pietzel says to his family, you stay back here, and if you hear reports about my death, don't worry about it. It's all part uh-huh. of the plan. Of course, Holmes kills Pietzel. Oh, I don't know if you saw that one coming down. Oh, mate. Oh. <laughs> All that hard work that Peitzel put in, and mm. he was not one of the lucky ones. Holmes chloroformed him, burnt the shit out of his body, and then set him up to look like it had been an explosion. And uh, and that's how he died. So Holmes then goes back and sees Peitzel's wife and kids, and is a little bit like, Mrs. Peitzel, why don't you tell kids... I know that we had like this deal where it was going to be an insurance thing and they were all kind of in on it and it looks like he's actually alive. Why don't you tell the kids that, he, that he's really dead? That way it's going to be a really cool surprise when Pietzel walks in and he's alive. Yeah. And so she goes, okay. And he says, what I'm going to need is your eldest daughter. If she could come with me, because I need to take her to go and identify the body. I need somebody who can be in on the act and look at this body who's definitely not her dad because remember it's just a scam if she can look at this body and go that's my dad convincingly so I'm just going to take her and of course because he's a charming fucker Mrs. Peitzel's like okay uh, was he a hypnotist? I know you've got to wonder haven't you so he go- he takes her away surprise surprise he comes back without her uh, he's not killed it yet though and I bet he's got a great reason he says I'm going to need Two more kids. <laughs> just stay with me here. No. <laughs> just give me two more of your children. And I I went you, to butter your babies. Don't, you know, just take a seat. Don't, I can see you getting upset, Mrs. Peitzel, but, but just take a seat and hear me out. There are insurance people looking for a woman with lots of children. So if you give me some of your children, you won't be a middle-aged woman with lots of children. You'll just, be a middle-aged woman... With some children. Yeah. Mm. So, do you see where I'm going? Just give me, just give me these two. Just give me these two. <laughs> and he goes... So, he's now got three kids. And he then goes on this weird, like, 
going from town to town, dragging these three kids with them. A different spirit name. quest. <laughs> yeah. Go, it's a different kind of road trip movie at this point. <laughs> he, he, every hotel he checks into, he's a different name. Sometimes he's the uncle of the kids. Sometimes he's the dad of the kids, whatever. And just telling the Mrs. Peitzel, telling the wife just a bunch of terrible lies about what's going on. But there's always some web to be spun. Sometimes she would try and go visit the kids and they'd actually be just blocks apart, but they had no idea because he was like juggling everything so well. And apparently there are letters that survived. These kids were writing to the mum that just never got posted. And they're like, why don't you write to a write back? You oh. wrote you so many stories. We're having such fun with uh, Mr. Holmes. <clears throat> okay, sad. At least they were having a good time. Sure, maybe. A great, yeah. Did, yeah, did, it's possible. Did their handwriting look like his by any oh, chance? Very possible. Oh, no. But they, you know, they 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 weren't really allowed to ever leave hotels, so they can't have been having a great time. And he never bought them anything because he just saw them as as meat. You know what it is? I've I've fallen for his charms. That's what it is. I was like, no, he's a good guy. It's not. I think this is... He's like misunderstood, and I can change him. There's something about the utter gumption of his terribleness that does make you kind of... No. It's just the brazenness of it. Yeah, it's astonishing. So then he's like, okay, this thing is boring me. These kids are are, are complaining because they're cold. I don't want to buy them a coat, so let's just do away with them. So he takes... You know what doesn't need coats? Corpses. Right. Right, hold on to your gussets because it's gonna, it's gonna get bad. He ta- he takes the littlest, the of the children, little little baby, takes him out to a, a a hut in the woods, and kills him, chops him up, and burns the body bit by bit in a wood stove. He then goes back. So we've got two slightly older girls, one fifteen and one a bit younger, and he somehow convinces them to get into a trunk. shuts the trunk but there's a a little hole and he puts like a pipe in and then just gases them feeds um, gas through the pipe into the trunk bad and then buries them so it's 1894 and he is finally properly arrested for insurance fraud and that was because the Pinkertons got onto him. And the fucking Pinkertons are, you, you know, you never escape the Pinkertons. They are infamously the shit. Mm-hmm. In a world where there was no fingerprinting, no forensics, mm-hmm. these guys could find anything. And the handsome bandit had sold him out. So as soon as he got arrested, he was like, guys, guys, I've got this fucking great story about him. He told me all this shit. So now the whole world is sort of onto him. Peitzel's wife turned up and is like, dude, where are my kids? And he's like, I'll tell you where they are. Because remember how your husband's still alive? He came and took the kids and left with them? Uh, but then the Pinkertons found the bodies of the kids and he's like not no, that <laughs> let me change my story again um, I'm a mass murderer that's going to be my story now and so they they then started investigating the murder castle and were like shit and it was 
it just exploded over America. They couldn't believe what they what they found. They, in fact, they found this like groundskeeper type that was working in the murder castle. His name was Quinlan. Sure. I'm going to say Quinlan. Sure. It's the first normal name we've had today. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I bet he had a weird first name that I just don't know about. And they questioned him and he was like, I don't know anything. And he never let me clean the second floor, first floor for British people. Uh, so I, don't, I really don't know anything. I like cleaned the ground floor and I cleaned the top floor and go to the basement, I can go to the second floor. But he actually killed himself with strychnine a few years later and his note read, I couldn't sleep. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So, once he knew that he couldn't get out of it, he's going down, he's going to die, um, he's, he's going to get a death penalty. He, he kind of leans in, he starts writing books and stuff, and he says, do you like how I did slightly gothic font as well? <laughs> I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer no more than the poet can help the inspiration to sing. I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world and he has been with me since yeah. so he no longer is he that charming guy that's a doctor and a respectable person and, and can seduce he just is like I'm an evil person I mean he flip flops around let's face mm. it because then I think he then did said I didn't kill that there are so many different versions of this some people say he only killed six people mm. some people say he killed 500, 800 people, because they were just, there's really no way of knowing. And they did find baby's bones in the basement when they opened it up, so we- Why are you getting squeamish about that now, having gone into detail about killing children? It's, it's, a, it's a strange line. Yeah. You don't build, it would be odd if he had gone to all of that trouble and killed the people that he definitely did kill in the way that he did and had all those griefs to shoot and um, secret doorways and furnaces and all of that shit and had sold all of those skeletons and not killed so many people. So yeah. mm. who fucking knows? Well, he was a businessman. So it would make, you know, like take away evil and twisted and all of that. It would make no sense in his head to say, why am I not making money on all of this? Why am I yeah, missing out on these opportunities? Investment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Scalable volumes. Yeah. <laughs> 1896, Holmes is hanged. Little up note to finish it on. He did not have his neck broken as soon as he fell. Um, this is not like the story that it, that you told where the, the rope snaps. It took him 15 full minutes to strangle to death, oh, which I oh. think is a little to uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of uh, revenge. And the murder castle was it's to kind of succumb to arson in the end. Somebody burnt it down. Probably for the best. Oh. And it's now a post office. Well, okay. make your own jokes there. Yeah. Boom. That's the story, poorly told, of H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah, that's one of my favourite stories now. Yeah. Yeah. I, do, do we need a chat? Are you all right, Liz? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Your areas of interest concern me slightly it's sort of an amazing story because he just had real love for what he did and that mm. was scamming money and murdering people and it wasn't murdering people like i'm going to take an axe to your face there was there was very little 
violence if I know that essentially there is but there was no like I'm going to nostril flare and strangle you to death and thumb your eyes out it is I'm going to watch you fall asleep while I frantically masturbate and then I'm going to fiddle with you once you're gone like that he he wasn't a a brutish he was a gentleman yeah (laughs) you're so in love (laughs) (laughs) I know it hasn't been invented yet but I'm going to murder you like a plot from a Columbo episode (laughs) I don't think you have I don't have you ever seen American Horror Story I've seen little little bits of American Horror Story so there's a season where it's all set in a hotel and that is very heavily influenced by H.H. Holmes it's the one where Gaga turns up as a um, as a character it's actually my favourite season of American Horror Story Mm. and um, Evan Peters plays a character that is heavily based on the ghost of H.H. H. Holmes, I guess. Okay. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> I think you're supposed to say spoilers at the beginning of the sentence you're saying. Like. fucking daisy. <laughs> um, it's an amazing story, and it's. I think we don't know about it very much over here because we've got Jack the Ripper, but the, mm. uh, it's a big story. The, the further you got into the story, the more I went, no, I've definitely heard a little bit about this yeah. guy before because I think he's been the basis of inspiration for a couple of films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without it being a specific... Yeah, I think there's so much that people can cherry pick from that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll fit. There are even people who had conspiracy theories that he was Jack the Ripper. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, you know, just travelling, doing the tour, the global tour of insurance fraud. Yeah. Come to London. Kill a few people over there. But I think basically because he had that medical training and liked to dissect and there's always this theory that Jack the Ripper had that medical training as well anyway I don't I don't I don't like it it doesn't work there's a descendant of H.H. H. Holmes that had all sorts of theories but they were all proved wrong so, <laughs> they had so he was less notable <laughs> he didn't even know what happened in the past yeah. he was like he didn't die he was opening like, he fucking did though he was opening his own hotel and was trying to get publicity and it was like dude that <laughs> yeah. is the wrong approach just don't go into that yeah. area at all or the laundry sheet <laughs> cool so you're thinking film I'm thinking film but I'm actually thinking I don't think you could do the story justice in one film so I think it could be a little series of films yeah mm. a HH part one HH Part 2 I don't know that's not a great film title <laughs> the uh, uh, the HH H HH HHH yeah that's it that's the, yeah, that's the thing uh, cool so who do we need to cast HH obviously through many different ages how old yes what age does he start yeah. this yarn well and, and how old was he when he started you know reaching peak murdering uh, the, the the frenzy I think it's Chica- it's essentially Chicago isn't it it's, it's when he get, it's when he builds his masterpiece yeah because before that he kills the pharmacy people yeah before that he, he kills the girl in Philadelphia yeah but we don't really know if that's on purpose or not and possibly he killed that kid his childhood friend but we don't know yeah but I like the story of his upbringing I like this mm-hmm. creepy I don't like this creepy kid yeah you do yeah you do it's fine <laughs> um, Just if you don't happen. like him why are you pulling his hair and punching him in the shoulder <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a story that get, kind of goes that pans up to the pharmacy opposite his plot 
So he's just staring out of that window, looking at that empty mm. plot, going, I've got a cool idea. And you finished that first film on a massive sweeping like crane shot or helicopter shot of the murder castle yeah oh, um, I was gonna I was, I was suddenly thinking that maybe it would be of the um, if the timing's not right of the world's fair but that happened five years after that or four years after that but um, that's where you start the second film yes mm. and the second film is murder castle and then the third film would be um, Texas on the, the, the buddy film with the guy mm. and then the, the buddy film with the kids And then the kind of explosion of America finding out who he is and his sort of infamy, Mm. and um, you know, him suddenly owning what he is, I guess, from within a cell. Well, you could you could top and tail. The first film could begin with America going, "Who is Mm. this guy?" And then you tell. Well, it can be narrated by him because, as I said at the very beginning, we what we know is from him writing his his memoirs, which are probably nonsense. Yeah, he is the definition of the unreliable narrator. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we could have... I think essentially, we always do this where we're like, who do we cast as little homes? And we never know child actors. So we essentially need one or two... Jacob Tremblay, obviously. Okay. Is that his name? The little kid from Room? We cast him in something... I know, but he's fucking brilliant. There aren't many kids left because... I know, and the other one, <laughs> the other, he's killed them all. The, the other one that I like with, is the kid from The Sinner, but he actually um, has a different heritage, um, so I don't know um, if he could, if he'd be good casting for it. Get on the old IMDb. Why don't we use the body of any child actor and use CGI to put the face of... I feel that telling this story to you has been the catalyst of some sick thoughts. Yeah, I'm not going to sleep for a while now. <laughs> it's good. So uh, he was 35 when he died. Yeah. So he crammed all of that into 35 years. This is another mm. moment when you and I feel like underachievers. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Which uh, rules out my initial suggestion as, Ooh, as you're reading the story I was thinking Billy Crudup oh yeah. he was a fucking great actor that would have been cool he is a bit old he's a bit too old I mean he's very young looking he's got a baby face he's growing into it but when you now. really look at I mean what's the last thing that he did I think I saw him in something recently and I was like you're aging really well but yeah. he's definitely in his 40s yeah it's similarly to like a Mark Ruffalo type in that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. way that he looks great as a forty-something-year-old. Yeah, he's 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 sunk into his own face here, Billy Crudup. He would have been ideal a while ago. Yeah, he's sunk yeah. into his own face. He's sunk into like his he own might have face. just fallen into the, one of those lime pits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, the ever reluctant fastbender as the handsome—he never gets a week off from it. No, he? no. Now, he, there's a couple of options for Ever Reluctant. <laughs> Handsome Bandit. Yeah. Oh. I couldn't sleep. Guy. Yeah. The, just always in the background, hoovering. Do they have hoovers? No. No. Sweeping. <laughs> Pretending that he can't Pretending see. Pretending not anything. to see things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could be the, the drunkard mm. of it, the well, the, the only reason I like him for the, the Handsome Bandit is because the Handsome Bandit you described as not being very handsome. So we we, we get the ever reluctant, and we put prosthetics on him to make him, I mean, you know, in the normal last looking. One, uh, which hasn't dropped yet, but will drop tomorrow. We had him as 
we put a hood over his head, didn't we? Great. Continuation of a theme. And in, in my one, he was the he- headless. Oh, no, that was that was Michael. We let, essentially like to cast handsome people and just remove their heads if we can. <laughs> so but having, what was your initial thought? We would have him as the handsome bandit. Yeah. So should, should we start with... We've got a lot of women. We have a lot mm. of women, which is excellent. That's what he said. Yeah. First woman, Clara, um, who gets beaten up a lot and fucks off. Myrtle also uh, gets essentially sidelined because she's ruining his game and then gets pregnant and gets shipped off. The lucky two that managed to escape. All right, so uh, who are our favourite American actresses? 20 to 30 at the moment I've got one at the moment and uh, Julia Garner that's in Ozark and yeah, yeah, we yeah. also saw her in, uh, in the Americans recently she's got a really sort of she's the right yes, age she's I got a really her. yeah she's, she's really strong she'd make a good she'd make a good Clara I reckon the first wife because she's got some she's got real pluck about her isn't she yeah absolutely yeah so she's Ruth in Ozark Give me the name again. Uh, Julia Garner. Yes. She's got a brilliant face, isn't she? Yeah. Great shout. Well done. Fucking smashed it immediately. Welcome to the game. Hey, hey. Oh, can, can we say for the tall one, who the fierce tall one... No, instantly gone. Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah. From... Who's do you know what I'm talking about? She's... Uh, uh, game of Thrones. blonde, striking... New Star Wars... Think of the tallest female actress you know. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, no. Yeah, that one. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll find a picture. You're right. So yes, no, I know exactly who you mean. She's uh, she's very good. And very tall. We need a Myrtle. How old is Myrtle? She's going to be 20s. Uh, early to early 20s, probably. Who starts correspondence, comes to Chicago, instantly gets banished upstairs because... He wants to flirt with the patrons of the pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe someone like... See, all my favourite actresses are a little bit older now. They're all in their sort of 40s, essentially. Mm. I kind of think Daisy Ridley. It's a bit of a waste, isn't it, for Daisy? What about Anna Popplewell? I was just looking at Anna Popplewell. Show me, show me, show me. Mm. Chronicles of Narnia. She's got... She means she's older now. <laughs> yeah. Lids isn't sold. Keep looking. Let's keep let's keep checking then. I mean, Mia was a cowsker, but I don't. She's brilliant. I'd like her to have bigger part in yeah, something else. Yeah, I love her too. Yeah. I don't think we'd get Saoirse Ronan. We're How saving her for dare something else. You? She wants to definitely be in whatever project she can. Um, maybe this is Catherine Newton. I think I talked about her. She's been in a few things. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite yeah. good. She's yeah. an up and comer. Well, what have we seen her in so far? Um, Ladybird, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing. Ah, yes, okay. Missouri, yeah. Big Little Lies. She did a big one in Big mm. Little Lies. That was a good turn for her. I think she was also in The Little Women. Mm. Um, the Little Women? Yeah, we, we talked about The Little Women. The Little Women. The Little Women. <laughs> um, a few times because it's directed by Vanessa Caswell, who we've had as a director on one of our doodlies. Yeah. I, no, I think there's a great show. Let's, let's do yeah. it. Let's yeah. stick with her because we've got a lot of, a lot of ladies who are going to... Got a lot of ladies. 
They're all going to die. <laughs> can we can we do negative casting then for people that we want to see there come to sticky ends? <laughs> okay, let's give the ladies a break for a second. We need Paisal. We need Holmes. We haven't got a Holmes yet. How old was Peitzel? There is a picture of him so, so before he met Holmes and then later on. And the, I mean, I know that alcohol ages you pretty badly, but he he, he weathered badly. Maybe maybe the maybe the the young one could be John Gordon Levitt, Gordon John Joseph, Levitt, Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and the after one could be John C. Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, it's. It's a shame because he—it's not quite the right casting type, but that he would do it really, really well, yeah. wouldn't he? What's his first name? Benjamin. Oh, he got a first name after all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Peitzel. <laughs> and Peitzel's P-I-T-E-Z. Yeah. Z what? Z E-L. So he was thirty-eight when he died, because mm-hmm. he was born in eighteen fifty-six. He does look a lot older, I think. I think he does as well. And in the picture, he looks a bit like Jude Law. <gasps> Good shout! Uh, oh, he does a bit actually. And the yeah. great thing about that yeah, is yeah. Jude Law can be really aged quite, quite yeah. brilliantly. Mm. Let's do Jude Law. Yeah, I let's, like let's that. Let's pop him in. He's not busy at the moment. And and you know Jude Law is is developing into a pretty strong character actor. I know he is so much more interesting as a character actor than the handsome lead. Uh, Absolutely. Was, yeah. Yeah. It's much better. Yeah. He was literally cursed with good looks as a young man. What must that be like? Um, okay, so who else did we have? Uh, Minnie and Nanny. She looks like a bag of fun. Yeah. I think she acted for a little bit. She did a little bit of work doing mm. various different bits. And- what about Chelsea Kane? She, uh, she's a... Oh yeah, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think for the life of me what I've seen her in though. I mean, looking at yeah, looking at her IMDb page, it's lots of animation and yeah. But I've seen that face. Kid stuff that I haven't seen, so I don't know yeah, where I've seen her in though. or why I know her. Yeah, I don't recognise any of her credits, but her face is really recognisable. Yeah, I quite like it. Maybe. Why don't we have her as nanny? Yeah. The older sister who is very sensible. Yeah. And going, babe, he's not even that great. Don't give him Texas. Leave it, Minnie. He's not worth it. <laughs> um, so we still need a Minnie, somebody that could be Chelsea Kane's sister. Emma Roberts. I could see them as sisters. She's a horrible actress. I honestly can't think of anything I've ever seen her in, apart from, was it We're the Millers she's in? Uh, Eliza Scanlon's hot at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's cool. She's, she's a very, very good actress, Australian. We talked about her when we were doing the Australian Loving episode. Yeah. Do you recognise her at all? Mm. I don't believe I've seen her before. She's not done much. She's pretty new on the scene, but everybody is seeming to... Let's give her a She's break. She's coming away. Uh, oh, okay. So let's put Eliza Scanlon in as Minnie. Oh my God, how many other murdered women are there? Like Tell us all 30. <laughs> Emmeline Chagrand. Emmeline Chagrand was the one who... He locked in the safe, was like, write all the letters to your family, lock in the safe, acid on the floor. And again, sort of mid-twenties, are we looking? Well, I don't know. What do you reckon from that picture? Uh, She looks a little bit like um, Elizabeth Moss. Ooh. Smash. Smash. 
She, I know that the age is probably. Yeah, you can get fired right. from Sky for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She <laughs> is. There's, there's, a, there's a look there. There, there is. There. there is. Oh my god, are we nearly at the end? What, what about um, Pintzel's wife with the stolen children? Yeah, now I think her name might have. Because that's a, a slightly bigger, slightly more inherent to the plot part. Oh, yes, I don't have the internet, sorry. Could I possibly make a suggestion for Anna Kendrick? Mm. Wait, though, because first I want to show you a picture because I know there is a picture. Okay, okay. Carrie. Carrie Alice Canning Van Nastale. Well, I found a picture of her as a 70-year-old, which is how old she was when she died. That's the picture, yeah. I actually, this thing has just come up a bit, um, from a different thing, but I was wondering if... I love you, Anna Kendrick. I love Anna Kendrick, full stop. I'm wondering if Joe Froggett would be a good option. Oh, fuck, that's a brilliant shout. Just, she's got that exact right amount of strength, but also I'm going to pretend I don't know what's going on mm. and, and my husband, you know... We've seen her in Downton have a drunken husband. Do you know who I mean by Joe Frogger? Ah, yes, I know that face. Yes. Yeah, she can, I think she can pull very suspicious faces. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great shout. Then just a flock of children. Yeah. Fuck, that's a, we've, this is maybe our biggest cast yet, isn't it? It's pretty big. Have we, have we got through all the women that he killed? Minnie and Nanny were not the last because he had one more... Attempted wife. I'm going back to my discarded notes that are on the floor. And don't forget you've got notes. Georgina Yoke. Oh, yeah. I do like the, the, the guy that then died of strychnine later on, but he is, you know, unless we can think of a dude that we just quite, we think would be amusing to have in the background and, and then basically be an afterword at the end. Ants? <laughs> That's good. Couldn't sleep. That's basically my career. <laughs> Am I allowed to be in it? Yeah, we've cast you in things before. Great. Here you go. <laughs> um, dude in the background, Anthony. Well done, Anthony. Thanks. Our people will talk to your people. <laughs> I have people. <laughs> Who do we want to direct? Who's playing H.H.? Oh shit, the main guy. <laughs> Fuck. Who do we want for our main dude? Day Lewis is too old. Way too old. But yeah. he would have been... In it, yeah, back in the day, he would have been spot on. Yeah. My left foot sort of days, he would have been mm. great. Are you, are you looking for that, like, burning intensity kind of thing? Well, I don't know really what I'm looking for, because all the pictures have that dead shark eye thing that you mm. immediately pointed out. There is um, the regular picture of him, it, which is his mugshot. Gotta love a mugshot. So the final picture of him is that. That same, it's got a similar look. But there has to be that element of charm. He looks like a lot of people as well, doesn't there? He looks like, from the IT crowd and loads of movies oh, Chris, yeah. Chris O'Dowd. He looks like Chris O'Dowd with, he does with a bad like moustache. I don't think a Chris O'Dowd could do it. No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, the guy's a comedian who's doing really well mm. acting, but he doesn't quite have the chops, does he? Sorry, Chris, I love your work. Like Chris O'Dowd's face, but voiced by Andrew Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Scott? Dun, dun, dun. That's not a bad shout. Yeah. 
we do love to cast British people, and I feel like maybe it's not fair because this is one of our, you know, this mm. is an American story. Yeah, but there, there was a Brit playing Spider-Man, there's a Brit playing Superman, it's although not anymore. Sure, no offence, America. Uh, well, I was thinking Jack O'Connell. You love Jack O'Connell, don't you? He's, he is a, you know, like him or loathe him, he, you can't take your eyes off him when he's on screen. I'm Googling Jack O'Connell. Uh, he was in Skins. He was in Money Monster. He was in. I think I just did. I just see him in the uh, Millionaires Boys Club. That's not what it's called. Uh, yes, this chap. Yes, he has a brooding intensity. <laughs> he was in Starred Up with Ben Mendelsohn, whom I love, as we know. There's a new Ben Mendelsohn thing on Netflix. Have you seen it? No. Get on it. What is it? I don't know. I just. It, I think it literally drops uh, yesterday. Great. I think it's a Netflix film. I'm, I'm all over it. I love Ben Mendelsohn. I don't know. Do you think he can do that kind of... Uh, he's got it. Who's the guy from... He's got it. Who's the guy from Guys, Baby Driver? <gasps> yes! Now that is a good shout. An- ankle... An- an- Egbert uh, uh, Ankle. An- uh, uh, Egbert uh, Ankle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's the guy. Uh, Ansel Egbert. Ansel... Ansel Egbert. Ansel Elgort. That's the one. Yeah. Yes, that is a great shout. Yes, look at him, look. Because he can be really aloof. He can be really... Oh my God, this is fucking... And, yeah, and we can good. age him a little bit for 35. And he's got that charm thing and... Because I always... When you see often film and TV stuff, which is about evil people, I don't ever think I've really seen, though maybe this is a good time to do a top five, but I don't think I've ever seen one where I think I would have bought it as well. I would have yeah. been sucked in by him. I think you always see the actor playing the villain. Yeah. Mm. And you don't ever kind of go, fuck man, he's sexy. I would have married him with the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a fucking bowler mm. yeah. would have been in there. Yeah. And I think Ansel could do that. He sang a bit on old Logic's album. I like that song that he does with Yes, Logic. he did, yeah. So should we make this a musical? <laughs> yeah. Let's do a separate stage version. There's a bit like Sweeney Todd. Yeah. And let's have them all premiere on the same night. Around the world. I don't know why I said it. Ansel, you're going to be so fucking busy now that it's going to be worth it. Yeah, totally. So what's interesting about that is we've got Ansel and his henchman is Jude Law, which is kind of weird, but also kind of works. Because Jude Law has a real way of having a lot of status, even if Mm. his character's really not meant to have a lot of status. Like he Mm. sucks the presence out of a room even if he's playing an alcoholic desperate man yeah I kind of want to see that where you've got whoever our director is is constantly going stop it Jude Law (laughs) this is Ansel's time to shine (laughs) it's your film who do you want to direct oh fuck anybody in the whole wide world what film have I seen has the I mean this is the problem because all I'm thinking is Scorsese well sure sack his version off and we'll get him to come do (laughs) us What what kind of meeting would we have to have with Scorsese where it's like, I know you're in production. Yeah, you don't know us, but <laughs> neither does anyone else. Down the toilet and just start from scratch with no. us. Someone super ambitious cinematography wise. What film have we seen that is just um I know we love to make a film that is just lush as fuck and we've already I would have gone Joe Wright possibly, but we've just given him to your yeah. Irish story. Yeah. I mean, uh, left field choice perhaps, but Ryan Coogler, Cogler, who did Creed, Fruitfield Station, uh, Black Panther, 
He's a brilliant director, That's and his amazing. cinematographer is luscious with his shots. That's not a bad shout. So I'm imagining this is quite a quite an upbeat color palette, but in, with quite yeah. a brooding, yeah, repetition. Of yeah, well, you, again, you want you want Chicago to mm. look, you know, modern, yeah, and 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 now and prescient as well as being yeah. dirty as mm. fuck and. And it's I'm going to keep using this reference point of Gangs of New York, mm. but that was very. What was nice about that was that it felt quite stagey. Yes. It felt yeah, like yeah. it was on a, a on a set. Yeah, it was quite Moulin Rougey yeah. in a way, wasn't it? But, but it had that kind of rottiness about it as well, and the sort of I don't know. What about Park Chan Wook, who did Old Boy? Oh shit! Because he's got the chops for doing the really really nasty stuff. Yeah. But yeah. the color palette to really raise. Yeah. That's the stagey did, side. Did he? Did we get him to direct my pirate? Oh, fuck. ah, oh, he's busy then. Well, no, he can have more than one no. film. That's fine. It takes a lot for us to double book somebody because mm. we, you know, we want them to really focus on the project that we've given them. I mean, am I nuts to say Ridley Scott? No. Uh, okay, I can uh, see that. Am I mad? No, yeah. I can definitely just, see that. I just was like. About that kind of gladiator feel. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring that real just massiveness into it. And, and you know, no offence to other directors, Ridley Scott is going to bring a big fat budget. Some mm. studio is going to fall over themselves to make this. I mean, not in real life, obviously. Unless they want to. Um, yeah, I think that's a good shout. Yeah, that would work. It could be nice and epic. It would look great. Yeah. It would look stunning. I kind of always, he also isn't very nice to his actors, so I always do kind of think. I think he gets a bad rep. You reckon? He could yeah. definitely handle the, the kind of the episodic yeah. nature of it as well. And he's coaxed some very good performances out of people. He has, yeah. Through sheer intimidation. <laughs> Silent intimidation. Well, that's what Jude Law's going to need. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Anything else? The soundtrack. Let's not have any actual songs from the real world. Let's, let's not dip, go down that route. But we yeah. can, you know, again that kind of Daniel Pemberton thing that we used him for. Uh, um, oh my God! What's his name? The the guy who did Clint Mansell. Mm. Uh, he he did the music for Requiem for a Dream, oh, and shit. like he does big epic stuff, which absolutely can fit with period stuff but it's um, more yes, just sort yes. of a bit dirtier a bit I fucking want him grubbier time, yeah. Bosch Bosch man I'm excited about this one that is a fucking that's a bonanza yeah that's an absolute bonanza just thinking about it from a, a you know how studio bosses like to think about it um, if they're making three films they need somebody who's not gonna like age out of it by the time we made the third which just makes Ansel even better mm. would you you just mm. make them all back to back yeah yeah um, Fellowship of the Rings this yeah shit. back to back to back cool love it love everything about it we've got ourselves a movie we've got another movie we just need financing so off the back of that exceptionally romantic story that I just wove for you uh, top five rom-coms <laughs> 500 days of Summer. Oh, interesting. Because it's sort of got a slightly nastier edge than your average rom-com, but still works as a rom-com. Uh, 
When Harry Met Sally. Sure. Yeah, Fucking classic yeah. film. Mm-hmm. I laugh so hard at True Romance, even though it's not mm. a rom com. <laughs> I, I would <laughs> I definitely so put it under that genre. Yeah. yeah, I've got two so far. I went on a bit of a rom com spree this last couple of weeks and got a real bee in my bonnet about it because um, I feel like it's such a wasted genre and people make shit rom-coms all the time they're also not progressive and they're all not with the times it's the mm. one genre of film that can be completely fucking archaic and it drives me mad I think I, I, I watched a couple of the ones that just popped up on Netflix like teen ones like To All The Boys I Loved Before and Sierra Burgess Loser I think it's called and it just made me so fucking mad and then I finally got around to watching The Big Sick and I was like this is it no one is allowed to backslide anymore. This film has been made now. It has a new set of rules for rom-coms that okay. everybody has to go by. It's genuinely fucking funny. It's genuinely got enough gags that a grown-ass mm. person is going to laugh all the way through it. The chemistry is good. That happens. That's not difficult to do. It, the parents, the in-laws, mm. are not just old people who are past the interesting part of their life and are just going to be irritating to, okay. the, to the love interest. That mm. is bullshit. Let's stop doing that. They are grown-ass mm. people who have stuff going on and interesting stories. It takes hard-to-talk-about issues and just goes, it's okay, we can talk about them. We're not just going to make a story about it. We're going to laugh about it all the way through. Oh, fuck, I was ranting to Paul Trudy about this the other day and I made a huge long list and she was like, all right, babes. <laughs> you seem really upset. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got the rest of my top five. The other thing, just lastly, the other thing that drives me fucking crazy about rom-coms no one gets married after knowing each other for just 24 fucking hours and people don't have to choose between love and career you can fucking have mm-hmm. both this is mm-hmm. a modern story that's what I that's what I took from La La Land when I saw that yeah. in the cinema right. it's like you can either be successful or you can be happy but you can't be both no one can just grow together and support one another they have to support one another and then sacrifice the relationship it's bullshit yeah. the, big, the big sick was the best thing I've seen in ages I loved it so, <clears throat> and I may I may argue with you over some of these points, but fuck you, I'm sticking to them. 500, uh, 500 Days of Summer, sure. When Harry Met Sally, sure. mm-hmm. Princess Bride. Sure, big time. Because <laughs> yes, okay. it's a fantasy okay. film, yeah. but it is a romantic comedy. And it's funny, yeah. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, mm. certainly, yeah. Mm. I fuck you, I'm having that one. Uh, Maybe not for rom-com reasons. No. But for uh, everything that happens in the periphery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Say Anything. Say Anything has to be in there. I've not seen it. <gasps> I've not seen it. Oh, Say sweet anything. lord. John oh. Cusack stood there in the rain with a boombox. Apple it booming music. I got as far as The Wedding Singer. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> I'm going to chuck a Sandler in there. <laughs> Having just given a bunch of really important rom-com rules, <laughs> I'm going to break them all, because that is my way, while you were sleeping. Fine. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, it is problematic from a feminist perspective. And indeed, it has that thing of, I don't know you, but I'm going to pledge the rest of my life Stalker. to you. Stalker! Yeah, it's very problematic, but it's also very endearing. Um, that's the other thing that I have a big problem with with rom-coms, is feels like it's part of the consent conversation. Bear with me, guys. <laughs> when somebody grandstands 
and forces a decision out of somebody by grandstanding. Like, I brought everybody you mm. ever know, and now I'm going to stand on a table and make a huge speech. Yeah. I know I made a mistake, but I'm changed now, and will you marry me? That, for me, makes me so fucking mad, because it does kind of take the choice away from the person that you're talking to. Yeah, public, stared at by public peer pressure. Like yeah. at the Emmys the other night. Well, what so, was that the Emmys for the, the guy proposed? Was the guy proposed. I mean, I'm not saying he's done anything wrong, speech. but in his acceptance speech, with literally the world watching, he's like, will you marry me? I just think, go fuck yourself. I mean, maybe that's what she said afterwards, but... Yeah, I mean, of course, it's a wonderful thing to so public... And in fact, that is what weddings are, is to publicly proclaim your love for somebody. But I think any important decision, especially if somebody's hurt you, which is often what happens Mm. in those rom-coms, is you've done something really bad, we're in an argument, then somebody grandstands, Mm. and somebody has to then change the entire they're so angry because mm-hmm. they've been hurt and suddenly in a second all that anger just has to disappear they have to, to wipe that you're yeah. right mm-hmm. you're wonderful let's spend the rest of our lives together well my original idea for proposing to Eleanor was to make a short film yeah. as a, like a mock trailer for a horror film because mm-hmm. she loves horror films so I got my friend Alan to come and film around Brixton with me and we did like you know, shaky, <laughs> shaky camera work and Dutch angles and just swing, swinging with nobody on them. And, you know, like a, a touchstone montage of horror tropes mm. round Brixton. And then I'd written this bad narration, voiceover narration, you know, the inner world kind of thing. And it ended up with the only thing that would, uh, you know, keep her sane was a husband. <laughs> and then there was a shot of me like walking blurrily out of a shadow going, All right. <laughs> and then I was going to propose which is a fucking terrible idea because <laughs> she hates public grandstanding like that I hate publicity and being centre of attention I mean we both love the ritzy and it's sort of the ritzy and Brixton's fault really good cinema um, we've told that that story about yeah. how you guys sort of refused to succumb to the yeah sort of there for, mm. for us being together but the idea of then playing that in front of a film at the Ritzy and proposing in front of just random strangers. You could pack the whole cinema out with her friends. Yeah. That's one thing. Completely random mm. strangers, that's a different thing. Neither of them are good scenarios for she and I. Yeah. So I came to my senses and went, the fuck am I doing? I'm just going to have a little quiet chat in her ear about the good idea that is us getting married and that's mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. It'll sell itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. More rom-coms from you, good sir? I tend to, if, if, it's, if it's rom-coms, it's either stuff that I've seen billions of times, like Four Weddings, which I hate as much as I love mm. now. And I think the relationship with rom-coms really does go up and down quite a lot like yeah. a roller coaster especially when um, Andy McDowell's on screen because <laughs> I hate everything that happens when she's on the screen me too but I mean for sheer number of plays on ITV2 forgetting Sarah Marshall is, is quite amusing um, that's an enjoyable but, yeah I mean it, it's it, it's all the the real the fluff stuff for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's what I'll go for. Um, I, th- I think I need to get a slightly deeper um, education over the last few decades of rom-coms. Okay, b- before we go, can I uh, ask for one more top three? Yeah. In honour of the late, great Burt Reynolds. Oh, shit. Top mm-hmm. three Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. films. Smokey and the Bandit 2. <laughs> <laughs> Cannibal Run 2. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and 
I was looking at I was looking at Burt Reynolds films, uh, a list of them the other day, and I actually saw. Uh, I've not seen The Man Who Loved Women, but I really loved the fact that on the artwork, on, on the on the poster, he seems to have an abnormally massive forehead. So that's going to be my third one. And I'll try and catch up with actually watching the film at some point. Boogie Nights. Obviously. Yeah, I think my favourites for him are not... They're not his best films, but they're the ones that I saw first. And yeah. They're the ones that I've seen most times. That still so counts. They're they're really fond. Because I, uh, I was doing this with a friend the day he died. Mm-hmm. Um and we came up with a top five each which was different from you know we both had a different top five we tried stretching it to a top ten and got into trouble my uh, top three yeah in America it was called The Longest Yard over here it was called Mean Machine where he's an American football player goes to prison they end up playing Garth versus prisoners blah 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 blah. there's been two terrible remakes the original is dark, twisted, funny and has a heart to it mm. and he's fucking great in it and the other one has Adam Sandler exactly <laughs> and the other one has Vinnie Jones <laughs> that Boogie Nights mm-hmm. and the first Smokey and the Bandit I can't help it I fucking mm. love it he's mm. just got charm to burn mm. that the camera just adores him in that film Mm-hmm. and him and I would argue that you could include that as a rom-com as well because him mm-hmm. and Sally Field Sally. just I mean I know they end, end up dating but they're just sparking off each other she is mm-hmm. she's just dreamy isn't she here's a Burt Reynolds film called White Lightning where I assume he portrays a drunk on the streets of 1980s Croydon who <laughs> 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 oh, can tell Cannibal Run 2 has got Frank Sinatra in it That's it does count for something it does and Sammy Davis Jr. and yes. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Well, Jackie Chan was in the first one as well. I've never seen the first one. What? My dad bought me number two on video without number one, and I just watched number two incessantly. So, and your complete lack of intrigue never took you back a no. step forward. No, 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 just turned it off. Yeah. You have a whole world ahead of you. <laughs> what a to-do list. It does say though, doesn't it, that it's not a narrative that requires. Uh, no. <laughs> You've basically got the general premise. You don't really need, you know. Even the, the people preamble. in Cannibal Run Two don't need to know what's going on in Cannibal Run Two. <laughs> Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra had no fucking clue what they were doing. Live action wacky races. <laughs> I think, I think it's Cannibal Run One has got Richard Keel, who was the Jaws. Big, yeah, big yeah. guy who played Jaws in the mm. Bond films. He's in that, and also tying the whole thing together, Richard Keel is in. Uh, mean Machine or The Longest Yard ah. oh, good old kid yeah yeah. cool anything else that's all I've got it's been a delight to be here thank you so much for, yeah thanks for, for stepping us. in well, you're very welcome and thank Indeed. you to Richard Keel yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah once again thank you very much to the Beast of Brixton our Twitter is a, f- a film about that at a film about that at a film about that uh, and the, our Instagram is something similar to that as well. Yeah, and the Beast's Twitter is it is at Beast of Brixton. Richard Keel's Twitter <laughs> is shiny it's, teeth. It's, it's shut down. <laughs> One. Yeah, I mean, do you uh, agree with the story? Did I fuck up the story? Probably, guys. Let's face it. There, there's 
a lot of great podcasts about um, H.H. Holmes. And in fact, there is a film being made about H.H. Holmes. So I had absolutely no right to bring this to this particular podcast, but it's done now. Well, if we're bending rules, that will help me out for if I'm allowed to bring one to the table at some yeah. point. Yeah. Can't come back. Definitely. Well, I'll try and do some exciting stuff in the meantime. Yeah. Publicly. Birds falling out the sky. Yeah. I'll be the centre of one of these stories. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you may know me from such programmes as the six o'clock news. <laughs> That's it. We 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 we're not good at saying hello. And we're not good at saying goodbye. But it's been a it's been a pleasure. Have a great couple of weeks, people. Donate to Jane if you haven't already, and next time hopefully she'll be back if she makes it. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Jane. Love you, Jane. Bye. 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 Woohoo!